I would just say focus on what you're doing, like what you're doing, have good friends around you, and and be open about what's happening so that people really can empathize with what's going on. But it's a it's an interesting world to come into. Yeah. So just always be protecting yourself. Be aware of um, of people that don't have good intentions and and surround yourself with people that do have good intentions. Welcome to Persister with Candace Lowry. I am Candace Lowry. What is a persister? A persister is a little play on words of nevertheless she persisted, but also a woman who has truly broken through that glass ceiling and has really forged a path and a name for herself in whatever business she's in. Persister with Candace Lowry is a Castbox original produced alongside Studio 71. Castbox is the fastest growing, highest rated podcast app on both both iOS and Android, where you can find all of your favorite podcasts. You can listen to Persister with Candace Lowry wherever you get your podcasts, but I hope you'll give CastBox a shot because I think it's the best. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Persister with Candace Lowry. I'm Candace, and I am so excited today to have Megan Tonjes with me. Hi. Let's see. Uh, a singer-songwriter, right? A podcast host, an overall badass, a YouTuber. I feel like... Wow, all of them. Multi-hyphenate. Look at me. (laughs) Look at this. Dancer. (laughs) Yeah, day by day. I keep adding to the list. It's it's never ending. (laughs) Well, welcome. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. You know, on this rainy day in L.A., Felt like I was driving a boat on the way here. Uh, And I'm from Michigan, so, you know, I was was equipped. People were going like, one. It was so frustrating. Um... (laughs) Okay, well, I think I kind of want to do like a little icebreaker here. So I've seen that on your podcast and just in general, you kind of cover some crazy trends. Like recently, you just talked about the gender reveal lasagna. <laughs> and <laughs> I have not watched the ad yet for that. Yeah. Um, but I'm wondering from all the things that you see, what's been kind of the most wild thing recently? Oh, my gosh. The most wild thing. Uh, uh there's stuff happening every day. I mean, the lasagna reveal was pretty great. <laughs> I have to admit, I was I was I was excited to talk about that. Um, I saw the other day, my friend Nikki and I made a video. Where we were talking about how there's a zoo that is naming cockroaches after exes. Like you can get a cockroach named after what? an ex, which I think is amazing. And wow, okay, how Wait, many can how that. many can I get? Like what? <laughs> What's the price point on that? I could have a few. <laughs> Can we order them right now? Like, yeah. I'm ready. I want to um, do that. That's amazing. That's something that I've seen recently. <laughs> um, I mean, the news cycle goes by so quick that every day I'm amazed that there's something else that's happened. The gender reveals are great, though. I know. People Ooh. are crazy. I saw one gender reveal where a guy exploded something and then it started some giant wildfire. Well, yeah. It's <laughs> just <laughs> like, oh. That's what I talked about in the video. I was like, you know, what if we just focused on, I don't know, loving our kids and being good parents and not, you know, burning down entire the Angeles Forest or Arizona or whatever is going on because we have to do it in the biggest, baddest way ever for the internet. Everyone's so desperate to be like the next couple that's famous for a gender reveal. I know. It never goes well. I know. People are like literally dying trying to do these crazy things. Um, But so you've been around YouTube for a while, the internet. Since the beginning. And... I'm wondering, especially, you know, now I feel like everyone's like, I want to be a YouTuber, you know, (laughs) but back then or when when people were just getting started, I'm wondering how you kind of gravitated towards YouTube as your 
yeah. kind of medium. So I started early 2006, like March of 2006. And YouTube was like one black page with like five <laughs> videos on it. And I mean, the concept of channels or money or partner, I mean, that didn't even exist. Right. Um, and at the time, I saw a musician uh, by the name of Kina Granis, and I saw more musician stuff on there. Mm -hmm. So I had just, I was in college, I've been teaching myself guitar for a few months, and I thought, oh, I wanna do this, let me try this. Mm. And so I started putting up videos. I don't think I even said my name for the first 10 videos. I didn't, I didn't know what I <laughs> Hi, was doing. Hi, it's me. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I kind of started early on. I think it was just another site to sign up for. Facebook yeah. was just, I mean, Facebook was college book and only certain colleges were invited yeah. to it. Um, Snapchat, Twitter didn't even exist yet. So it was just kind of, I mean, I, and I made the mistake of naming my channel after like my college email address. So <laughs> my actual link is like Tanjus ML. And <laughs> ooh, vanity links will help you. They will save you. But still, you can only do so much. Um, so it was just one of those things where I just signed up for it, thought it looked interesting. It was like MySpace, anything like that. And then I started putting up videos. I started getting uh, feedback, making friends, and mm -hmm. kind of it's just over the past 12 years has built into my life. And pretty much everyone that's in my life is because of the internet. Yeah. Like the person I live with, um, all of my closest friends, and the fact that I'm living in Los Angeles, all because of YouTube and the internet. Yeah, there is something magical, I think, about YouTube and just being on the internet that I've seen so many people even that have had problems just being social and making friends like able to find these really great communities just through YouTube and like even close friends I have now I'm like we well, met on the internet like it's kind of weird for me to say that <laughs> if it's it's less weird than it used to be though because yeah. when I was 19 or 20 tell my parents I'm making videos on the internet in my bedroom yeah. it was a much different conversation yeah. Then today when people are 10 years old and they write down, I want to be a YouTuber. I mean, yeah. people look at it as a legitimate possible career. And when I started, people thought it was just this weird thing that they didn't understand and they didn't respect. I mean, people still don't respect it, but yeah. we're here. Yeah, it's like you, you <laughs> hate us because you ain't us. <laughs> so at what point were you like, I could actually do this? Mm. I mean, have I, reached, have I reached that point yet <laughs> is the question. Uh, I think, ooh. It's one of those things that actually only recently have I started to look at it as, okay, well, I guess it's time to start making business decisions and treating it like a job job. Because for so long, it was just this really fun thing that's happening, and it just happens to be bringing these really cool opportunities, and mm -hmm. I'm just going with it. I'm just right. going with it. I'm not going to question it. I'm going to work hard and do exactly what I want, but whatever comes my way, I'm going to go for it. I think probably moving to Los Angeles was the moment that I thought, okay, I'm making a move, a significant move. And uh, I'm going to go forward in a life that I have no idea what's about to happen. And no one I know has quite done it. Yeah. So the the move, I was living in Michigan. I grew up in Michigan. I moved to Pennsylvania for a year. I lived in Allentown, Pennsylvania. No, I don't know why. I don't know why. I don't know why. <laughs> Shout out to Allentown. Hey, Allentown. <laughs> Best chicken shawarma I've ever had in Allentown, <laughs> Pennsylvania. And uh, I just, I didn't want to go back to Michigan. And I thought, okay, well, I have friends in Los Angeles. People are doing YouTube stuff there. Why not be warm? And uh, I used, I actually did a cover of a Ron Pope song and he reached out to me to open for tour. And then I used that tour to get to Los Angeles to find an apartment, fly back and then drive back with whatever fit in my car oh my about God. seven years ago. It's like the art of the hustle. Truly. It is. <laughs> I, it's just no questioning. I, I, I think I was just like, this feels right. Let's go for it. And I didn't think it through. And now I look back, I'm like, how did you move here with a few hundred dollars yeah. 
and no idea what you were doing. And I just I just trusted that I would figure it out. And I struggled, but I did. Yeah. And I think one of the things that I've been asked before that I think a lot of people have a problem with, especially women, and I think really now in this climate is that they want to share their stories or they want to do covers or do something that's very vulnerable online, but they're worried about the backlash of trolling yeah and the art of trolling and it's just i'm wondering if you have the art of trolling, the art that, of is, trolling. that is a book title <laughs> honestly that's, that's my next book the art of trolling <laughs> the art of trolling <laughs> that's beautiful um but that they kind of are just scared that it'll affect them in a really bad way a negative way and i think yeah i felt that a little bit but eventually you know got past it but i'm wondering you know, twofold, do you see a change? Have mm-hmm. you seen a change over time with how people on the internet are? Mm-hmm. Um, and what would you tell, you know, a young girl right now that wants to, you know, put themselves out there? Ooh. <laughs> um, it's, it's interesting because I think trolling has gotten worse, but it's happening to everyone now Mm -hmm. so it's not even just happening to people that have a large platform it's happening across the board um i mean kids in facebook are trolling each other Mm -hmm. and bullying each other it's i mean it becomes another form of bullying essentially yeah um i would say my biggest my only concern and my biggest concern with the internet has been safety Mm -hmm. um it's the thing that i consistently bring up to google it's the thing that i'm most passionate about because i've been doxxed i've had people send out my address send Mm -hmm. things to my house I've had people threaten me. I've had friends of mine who have literally had people break into their home to kill them. Like I, like my friend Meg Turney went through a thing last year. Um, and so I don't want to downplay the fact that there is a real anxiety around creating yeah. content and being public, especially as a musician with, Chris, with Christina Grimmie. Mm-hmm. That changed everything for me because we're so used to making stuff saying, come to my show, yeah. come to the meetup. Meet and in Back in the day, it I never thought, oh, someone will show up to hurt me or someone will show up that doesn't like me. I thought, yeah. why would someone leave their house if they don't like me? Yeah. You would only come if you enjoy what I do. And that's not the case anymore because people make a whole career out of how can I ruin this moment? How can I embarrass somebody? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's just it's happening more and more. I think uh, hopefully what comes out of that are better ways to deal with it and uh, laws start catching up to yeah. everything. Because I think police right now are like, wait, what the? Just get off the internet. I'm like, how do you just get off the yeah, internet? No, everything is connected. <laughs> and if it's your job, you're just like, oh, just quit your job and change your life. Okay. Right. Um, my advice to anyone that's starting off, especially young women, would be be very conscious and aware of how someone that doesn't like you could find you. Mm-hmm. Um, I probably going back wouldn't have used my real name. That's something that I kind of regret. Mm-hmm. Um, I would be very cautious about sharing location stuff, like where you are when you're there, mm-hmm. wait until after you leave. Um, but overall, I think having a good support system, um, also understanding that strangers on the internet for the most part are just saying things because they're bored or they're angry or they need attention and it's easier to get attention for negative things than positive things mm-hmm. because our eyes go to that and we want to react to that instantly and it all feels like attention. Right. So. I would just say focus on what you're doing, like what you're doing, have good friends around you, and and be open about what's happening so that people really can empathize with what's going on. But it's a it's an interesting world to come into. Yeah. So just always be protecting yourself. Be aware 
of um, of people that don't have good intentions and and surround yourself with people that do have good intentions. Yeah, and I think going off of that, sometimes even when I recently got a new apartment, because it, it sounds because. When you tell yourself, oh, someone could find me, then you're like, okay, you're not that cool. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, right. But then I'm like, how much of my apartment or my location around my apartment mm-hmm. can people see? Are you showing see? in videos? Are yeah. you showing in photos? Yeah, to where they can be like, I know exactly where that is. Mm-hmm. And I remember one of my friends, when I was at BuzzFeed, Quinta, she was in her bed going to sleep, and mm-hmm. she heard people outside of her window saying, I know that that's her bedroom, like, that we like that's it and she was terrified that's so scary yeah especially when you make if you make stuff i mean the stuff that happened to my friends they make pretty pg content yeah so even if you do something that's even controversial or you have an opinion in any certain way it's scary what people will sh- the fandom in general is yeah a drug <laughs> it yeah. is it's one of those things where like i understand it because i was when i was young i was all into fan fiction and fan videos and i was all about it but now that we have social media and everyone's connected and people feel like they have ownership, mm-hmm. consumption is ownership. It, I think there are so many of us that need to use our platforms to really have conversations with our audience and inform them and teach them how to treat us. Mm-hmm. I think that a lot of times stuff's happening. Like I just saw the Dolan twins. They lost their yes. father. And fans were trying to have a meetup at the funeral. At the funeral. I saw that. It and like it's made like, my stomach turn. It's disgusting, but also... It's one of those things I think is going to continue to happen until more of the people that are very popular start telling their audiences, you should feel ashamed about doing this Mm -hmm. thing. I'm not shame-based in any kind of way, but you need to be aware of that's not normal, that's not okay, Mm -hmm. and people are people. You can't just, I mean, you have to be aware of like what you're doing in the world. And I think some people are just like, I like them, I'm going to do anything I can get close to them, and their parents are even worse about it. Yeah, I was I was Ooh. reading tweets and it was like a fan account and would say, "Hey everyone, we're going to meet up right at where the funeral is. Mm-hmm. Just be be respectful by not by crying and by asking for photos after the funeral service." And I was like, "Ew." It's like, like it feels like children trying to pretend to, like trying to figure out how to be human beings yeah, on the was- internet, which sounds like the worst idea ever. Um, it was insanity when I read that. Yeah, I think I just think that more of these conversations are going to come up and and some of us that were around before the Internet mm-hmm. became a thing are going to have to really remind people of like there was a time before <laughs> we didn't show up for meetups at funerals. That's weird. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think I would even if like I don't know who my fan of. Like Jake Gyllenhaal. <laughs> if he went to a funeral, I don't think I'd be like, all right, everybody come to his funeral. And we're yeah, you know what no, I mean? just, no, no, no. But, I don't even want people to come to my funeral. Yeah. I'm like, can you, we just... <laughs> just put me in like... Just like, you're like, don't spend money on that. Stay home, you know, do your thing. Think about me fondly. Watch an episode of Shark Tank for me. Like, thank you. <laughs> but in terms of, you mentioned having open conversations mm-hmm. with people who follow you, but also really anyone about these platforms. And one of the huge, I feel like a really revolutionary type thing that happened was with the booty revolution. Yeah. And I remember when I saw this story going around <laughs> and Instagram like publicly apologized. I was like, what is happening? Yeah. And I'm wondering like at what point, like how did you feel when you saw that that picture was taken down? 
Oh, my gosh. Uh, that was so unexpected, that entire experience, because yeah. up until that point, I talked. I didn't really even know what body positivity was. That wasn't really like a phrase. Mm-hmm. I had had a collab channel where I was talking about body issues and it was other fat women. And I just knew that I hadn't had conversations like that with people that looked like me. So I had a little bit of a primer on that. But then that photo went viral because it was mm-hmm. taken down. So I took a photo of me um, in underwear and a T-shirt. A little butt photo, you know, just yeah. for the internet. Early Belfie. And uh, <laughs> before it was called a Belfie. <laughs> I'm just saying I was a part of the movement. <laughs> You're welcome. Me and Kim Kardashian. <laughs> and, um, <clears throat> okay, so basically I put this photo up. It got taken down. It got flagged as pornography. And so this was like 2014, 2015. Mm-hmm. And there was no way to contact Instagram. There was no reporting system. It was just kind of like, oh, it's gone now. So I did what I know how to do, which is make a YouTube video complaining about <laughs> it. <laughs> and I said, uh, you know, the, the reason this was taken down was because someone looked at my body, didn't want to see it, and thought that no one should see it. And this isn't pornography. This, this is so much more PG than anything that's on yeah. this site. But people fetishize my body in a certain way, so automatically it's like a sexual thing. Uh, put this video up. It got shared around. I think a lot of other people were passionate about it. Mm-hmm. And I remember I was like at at the MCN that I was at at the time. And my manager was like, um, OK, so they just apologized. Like Instagram just released a statement apologizing <laughs> to you and put it back up. Oh, my God. And it just opened the floodgates for I mean, now every time someone gets a photo taken down on Instagram, I'm getting a DM and I'm like, I wish I had a contact. I yeah. don't really. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was it was one of those moments where I just I wasn't even someone that really wore revealing things. And yeah. all of a sudden it, it it put me at the front of a movement that for me, I was just celebrating my body. I just felt good where I was. Yeah. And it kind of grew into I would post more and more of these photos. And I think for me, the the compliment, well, compliment and it's also sad comment that I would get were so many people saying I look just like you. Mm. But I when I see your photos are so beautiful, but I can't find that for myself. I don't see that when I look in the mirror. So for me, it's important. And I think that was the beginning point of that mm-hmm. to make sure that I'm showing my body and I'm I'm showing what I'm doing so that other people that look like me feel like, oh, I can do that, too. And I can feel beautiful and I can feel confident. Yeah. I didn't grow up with anything like that. And so I think I'm becoming the person that I needed when I was younger. So hopefully passing that on. Yeah, and I mean, I even looked at it again today. That sounds so creepy. It's <laughs> You're like, like, I looked at your butt photo again today. I looked up today. your butt again. No, and it's like so... <laughs> so minor. G-rated <laughs> compared to the things that I see on Instagram now. Oh my gosh, it's so covered. I mean, that and that like was on the news. Like yeah. my parents are in the Midwest. I didn't tell them this was <laughs> happening. And then all of a sudden a news crew was at my house and like the story is getting passed around. I mean... My poor family. This is probably why I don't talk to them anymore. <laughs> just like, it's too much. It's too like, much. Oh, our daughter with the butt. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the butt photo. That's the thing she's known for. Hello. Um, but yeah, it was just, uh, I've had a lot of really interesting big moments that made absolutely no sense. Because there was that. I was on Ellen in like 2011. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of stuff that's happened that from where I was from and what I was doing, it made no sense. But I think the key to it was, I was always doing things that I just liked and I it didn't matter what anyone else thought. Yeah. I wasn't I don't wasn't concerned with what anyone else thought, but because I was just persistent and consistent about what I was doing, people shared it, people wanted to share it and it, it caught on in different ways. So I've had really cool experiences. Yeah, and I wanna talk more about that. But yeah. we're gonna take a quick break and then uh, come right back. 
Thank you everyone for listening. And I just wanted to remind you all to rate, review, and subscribe to Persister with me because it's very helpful in spreading the word and um, getting the show out there. So I just wanted to thank you all again for listening and let's get back into it. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Persister. I'm still here with Megan. Nothing significant has happened in the minute break. <laughs> I mean, many significant things happened, Actually, but yeah. they don't know about it. Yeah, we've learned a lot already about gouging prices. <laughs> um, but so going back to we we're talking about Instagram. Yeah. Um, and I also this is also a place with horrible comments. And mm. it's just weird sometimes mm. when I look back at what social platforms looked like even a couple years ago. It's rough. And <laughs> it is just rough. the links that people are going now mm-hmm. to get likes, to get followers and subscribers. And it's just, I mean, even with something like Facetune, mm-hmm. I feel like I have this weird relationship with and like I've become weirdly obsessed. It's probably bad. I don't know if I should say this. <laughs> Admission. But weirdly obsessed with these Instagram accounts. Okay. That compare like a Getty image and then the image oh, that it's just celebrities. Like the close up. Yeah, and mm-hmm. then it compares the Getty image that the celebrities used in how they changed their bodies. Wow. And so it shows how much of them is like not coming off. It's as an accountability real. thing, I guess. Yeah. But I'm seeing this, I'm like, man, I mean, even to me, it makes me feel like not up to par with standards. Mm. Well, I think that's 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 the point. I mean, yeah. that's that's the behind the scenes vision for everything connected to like capitalism and beauty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And even there, people are getting plastic surgery to look mm-hmm. like yeah. their filters, <laughs> which is like the bunny filter. Like, <laughs> oh, my God, I wish. I mean, like I saw this video, I think Vice did it, where mm-hmm. a woman got a nose job because she wanted what she looked like in a face-tuned photo. Oh, I think I've seen that or heard of that. Yeah, yeah and that it's actually wow. more popular. And I'm like, how am I, if I have kids, like, how am I supposed to raise them in this atmosphere? Well, because, just don't. Because <laughs> you used to just have mirror selfies and, like, the MacBook Pro, like, camera yeah. with all the different filters. Ooh, what a time in our lives. <laughs> We're really dating ourselves right now. <laughs> but um, I really like your shirt that says um, I'm not a before. Yeah. And I'm wondering how you came up with that and mm. formed that idea because I know that there's like a whole thing about merch. Yes. But this also feels like it's meaningful merch and not just like, here's a shirt with my name on it. You know what I mean? <laughs> no, I get you. Um, so the I am before shirt really came about, I think I was just having more conversations about diet culture and before and after photos in mm-hmm. general. And... I think one of the the things that I try to do and that I have been doing is like looking back at things I did that I in my mind thought this is fine. This is all I've known Mm -hmm. because I have done like weight loss stuff on YouTube Mm -hmm. and before and after photos and came at it from a perspective of no, I'm trying I'm being healthy and I'm, I'm just doing it for health. And now as I'm getting older and I'm just learning more about it, I'm realizing, oh, I was just trying to put myself on a, on a hierarchy mm-hmm. of, see, I'm a good fatty, like performing for mm. other people. You can trust me. Same thing when, you know, I, I went to the doctor and I gave out my test results because people often come at me for my health. And I did that mostly as a like, ha fuck you. Yeah. 
But also now I'm aware that like, oh, I don't need to compare myself to other fat people that might also have these things. So I'm constantly learning and restructuring Mm -hmm. how I'm going about things. Before and after photos are something that a lot of people do. Um, We're probably all guilty of it at some point. And I think that we do it with certain intentions that we don't even understand. Because I think we're so programmed by diet culture to really want to compare ourselves to how we used to be all of the time. Um, And I think at some point I must have had a conversation or something came to me where I was like, I don't want to be a before. Like I, Mm. when I'm going to the gym or I'm doing things, I don't want people looking at me as like, oh, you know, she's, oh, she's here because she's doing this. She's losing weight or, Mm -hmm. oh, she's eating that. Oh, she must be on a diet. People make so many judgments about me because of how I look and what I must be doing in a way that they don't. Like if a thin girl on Tumblr is eating pizza, ooh, it's cute and quirky and fun. If a 300-pound girl is eating pizza on Tumblr, like, oh, you're dying of heart disease, whale. <laughs> like, man, god. the harpoons. Oh, my God. <laughs> These are just a section of the comments I've gotten over the years. Just print them out. No, literally. I mean, I've gotten, oh, yeah, ooh. That's just the, that's the, the top, the top layer of that. Um, and I just, I think I, I want to push back against that idea that you can look at someone and know what they're, what they're who they are, what they are, um, and I don't. I don't want to be seen as a part of this kind of cog in a system of this is who I am now, but imagine who I will be. I'm mm-hmm. gonna, I'm who I am right now. I'm not looking forward or backwards. It doesn't matter what I look like ten years ago. That's my body ten years ago. Whatever it's gonna be in ten years, it's gonna be. And so I, I kind of like the idea of being different than people and being like, I'm not gonna do. If I did have weight loss or whatever, mm-hmm. I'm not showing you before photos. Yeah, there are no before photos. Doesn't exist. This is where my body is. And I think the more that people understand, people's bodies change. And to make assumptions about it is really dangerous because you don't know. I could be losing weight because I'm sick. Yeah. You know? So for you to compliment me and say, oh, you look so good. I'm dying. Like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> oh, my God. So not to get more, but I'm a, I'm a Scorpio. So I go instantly to <laughs> to death and sex. Um, no, but it's, it's true, though, because a lot of <clears throat> the content that I've done is more so – diet analysis and looking at like the way people are looking at food is not correct. Mm-hmm. And then even trying out these fad diets just to show how unhealthy they are for your mental state and for your body, people are still like, well, did you lose weight? Yeah, right. Like, how much weight did you lose? That's the end goal. And like, I'm right? Like, Ooh, skinny legend, right? Like, yeah. that's the whole thing. And I'm like, no. Some people, you could feel a hundred times better and maybe not even lose a pound. Like, But I think that a lot of this comes back to the fact that we are conditioned from early on to desperately search for happiness, but then always be made to feel like, but you have to be uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. It has to hurt. It yeah. has to be miserable. That's, oh, you're restricting yourself enough that you're miserable? Mm, you're going to find happiness that way. Like yeah. It's just this weird system that we're in. And we don't question it because it's all we know. It's all our parents know. And it's what's been passed down to us. So I think that anything that I'm making right now, I mean, subtle ways or just super out there ways, I'm just trying to push back on and question myself on like, what? What do I think I am? Who do I think I am? And why do I think it? And can I change that? Mm-hmm. Like right now I'm working on a video where I worked out every day for a month. Mm-hmm. And of course, I'm going to use the machine to make it look like I worked out for 30 days in a row. And <laughs> yeah. Almost like it's going to be before and after. But the message of the video, I didn't measure myself. I didn't weigh myself. Mm-hmm. I don't think I even lost any weight. For me, it was like, how can I do something that I've always been told I can't do, mm-hmm. that I feel like I can't do, 
and reconnect to movement with my body in a way that doesn't bring me back to this really dark place of all of these diets and weight loss and fat camps I was sent to and all of these things, how do I reconnect that? Mm -hmm. So I think using what people are like desperately looking for and then changing the message when they get into it, for me is a way that I can use what's happening to hopefully change people's minds. And you're not gonna do it right away. There are people that push back on that are very upset because to be in a place where, and I've done it, where you're like, I'm eating 1,200 or 1,000 calories mm -hmm. a day and I'm working out 45 minutes a day and all this, you have to be almost in a cult-like, diligent mindset where right. everything I'm doing is better than what you're doing and it needs to be. And I just wanna shift people a little bit and say you don't have to hate yourself. If you wanna love yourself, when it comes to body love and body positivity, it's not even about that anymore. It's about liberating yourself from the idea that you can't be what you want to be and mm -hmm. that you're stuck in a body that isn't good enough. Right. You have to deal with like why you're spending so much energy hating yourself and then actually put that into making something. Yeah, and I think that there's been moments too, even <clears throat> with working out, where I kind of have to step back and be like, when's the last time I was just happy with you know, right. being myself and not constantly overanalyzing because it's exhausting. Mm -hmm. It's so tiring. And then knowing that there are so many eyes on you, I feel like sometimes people are like, oh, you look different. Or like, what's different? Or yeah. you look like you've gained. And I'm like, oh my God, like leave comparing, <laughs> Comparing all of the time is what yeah. we do. I think the, the big moment for me that I realized I have to let go of whatever this is that's been handed down to me was my uh, around the time that Booty Revolution stuff happened, mm -hmm. I was on tour and my grandma went into a diabetic coma. Mm. So it was like on the last show of my tour, I got this call. I had to keep it together. I don't know how I kept it together for a show, knowing yeah. that. Went home expecting a funeral. She woke up a week later, lived another two years. But during that process, I was like at home for a month in the nursing home, my mom and I taking care of her, cleaning her, changing her, mm. feeding her, doing all this stuff. And I remember helping her. And you know, your, your family is in front of you, naked, vulnerable, you're taking care of them. And there was never a moment where I looked at her body and thought, oh, she's so big, oh, she's so this. Yeah. I just saw her body as like, this is someone I love. Yeah. And it was such a light bulb moment where I thought, all these things that I'm insecure about, all these things that I'm hyper-focused on, people that love me do not see that, and that is not what they're looking at. Yeah. So I think that that was just a huge shift for me where I realized I could spend the next 30, 40, 50 years getting up every morning with my routine and trying to look like a certain person and trying to be this size. And I'm going to get to the end of my life. And what do I have to show for it? That's not even the important stuff. Mm -hmm. That's not that's not real. That's distraction. All of that is distraction. Mm -hmm. There's so much there's so much that's deeper that we're not tapping into. And it's because I think we're just scared. Yeah. We're scared. Yeah, and I mean, even with a lot of my work, we do um, a lot of accessibility stuff and people with blindness are affected by um, paralysis. And mm -hmm. I'm like, oh my God, I'm here looking at myself, like whining mm -hmm. about 10 pounds or whatever. And all this person, this person's stunning. And I never would have, like you said, I never yeah. would be like, oh, well, you this know, is they This is the good thing that's going to come out of social media. And I think it's that... We are in our heads so often and we think no one has ever suffered the way that I've suffered. No one has ever felt what I felt. Mm -hmm. And social media, it opens up to you to the trash of the world, <laughs> but it also opens you up to the fact that there are so many other people at so many different intersections that are dealing with things that are so much worse. And not that it lessens what you're going through, mm -hmm. but it gives you perspective on how lucky you are to, I mean, 
even going through some stuff I've gone through, I think, oh, this was so horrible, but how lucky I am that I got to experience something because there are so many people that didn't even live till this point to experience yeah. it. And when you kind of let go of this, uh, whatever this fear is that we have of, I'm not going to be enough. It's not going to be enough. You let it go. Everyone is feeling this. So can we just all start at page one and, yeah. <laughs> and move forward? And also, like when it comes to body stuff, it's so hard to get into it without people really quickly showing that they just want to be ableist and classist. Mm-hmm. That's really what it is. They don't mm-hmm. want to offer any solutions. It's all fat people's fault for everything that's happened. It's not food deserts or poverty yeah. or lack of resources, right. but it's just fat people. So, you know. Yeah, and I've also noticed a lot of people only want to post the good stuff, yeah. too. True. In the photoshops. That is true. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I think there's even that effort that I've been trying to make to just stay off. Someone told me that they unfollowed everybody except for their friends mm. on Instagram and then only started following like food blogs and <laughs> like pets i was gonna say puppies <laughs> yeah and they're like my life has completely changed <laughs> for the better because i open instagram and i see food porn and dogs mm. and it's the best i'm no longer comparing myself yeah and i'm enjoying things on social media so i think so when i went to college i went to school for digital media but mm-hmm. it was like before snapchat existed so it was like the idea of digital media yeah. I mean, youtube was barely a thing <laughs> the theory but what it did teach me is to always be be hyper aware of where you're getting information, what you're seeing and how it's affecting you and ask questions. Mm-hmm. And so I think that in the same way that we have to be diligent about uh, questioning ourselves and questioning where our mindset comes from and dismantling that, we also have to be really aware that just because the internet decides something is popular and it's popping up everywhere, it doesn't mean that we have to engage with it. We can, as much as we hopefully can, can curate a lot of the things that we see. And that starts with like who you're following. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are some people that pop up all the time. They're like, why? Am, who is this? Why am I following you? And I'm like, oh, I'm gladfully letting this go. <laughs> this is Mute. I'll, you'll come back to me. You know, it's like true love. You'll come back to me if it's meant to be. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I, I think it's really like doing a, a deep clean and curating what you're seeing. Yeah. So you can be in a healthy place to even engage with a world that's just not that great sometimes online. Yeah. And I've also noticed that you're very sex positive as well. And that's something that I like get weird and nervous about. Oh, I get it. And I don't know why. Sorry, Mark. um, But I don't know if that's some sort of societal thing. But even walking past um, like Bayland was founded in Seattle. Mm -hmm. And even walking past that, I'm like, oh, my God, like, do (laughs) I go in? You know, and I think it's one of those things that I need to work on. But also a lot of people feel this fear, too, that. Mm They, it's something that you don't talk about. It's something yeah. that is scary, and it it's like I'm, I'm like 26 years old, and I'm still scared to set foot in a sex toy shop oh my run God. by it's, women. It's like. just the beginning. It's just the beginning because I was 26 when I lost my virginity, so I was, oh, I was okay. an older virgin. Right. So you already had me. I'm sure. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> you know, don't want to make assumptions. <laughs> and. Uh, I think that I'm still at a place, I'm 33 now, and I still am at a place where I'm like, I talk a lot about sex and, I, and I'm always absorbing and like, I'm like a little sponge. I'm always like paying attention to everything that everyone's saying and I'm so fascinated and I'm not judgmental. I'm just so interested in it. But even within that, there's still things I have done or haven't done during sex that I look back and I'm like, what? why didn't you speak up? Mm-hmm. Why didn't you say what you liked? Why didn't you feel comfortable doing that? I still don't even know that I've had great sex, mm-hmm. but I think that I'm just so interested in learning everything that I possibly can and 
getting more comfortable talking about it with people Mm -hmm. so that it can internally, you know, be something that I talk about with my partner or people that I'm with in a different way. But I came from like Midwest Catholic guilt, like all of that. I didn't, my parents never talked to me about sex in my Mm -hmm. life. They just, I would walk into a bookstore and I was the kid that was like, I want to buy this workbook that's about vaginas. Yeah. (laughs) Like, let me learn. The American Girl uh, sex book. Have you seen that? Okay. It was like the most terrifying book of my life when I was a kid and I always wanted to open it and it was like felt oh like porn gosh. and it was by American Girl dolls like by the brand wow. American Girl but it was like drawings okay. and it was like what's happening to my body and I remember there was a whole section about like using tampons oh my god! and I was so terrified about what it was and it's just like even today I'm like such a weenie about it's scary. it scary you know it's scary yeah. like, it's a lot and it's um it's something that people, it's still taboo for a lot of people. And we don't, it's not like we grew up talking about it. We we're just mm-hmm. trying to like in the, in the darkness, try to figure out like, what do you know? What do you know? What have you seen? Yeah. Um, trying to get glimpses of it. So I think it's really just opening yourself up to just listening to more stuff, hearing more stuff, watching more stuff. And then when you have that kind of like uncomfortable feeling, which I have often, by the way, <laughs> like there are things that I'm just like, I don't know about that, but I have to stop myself and say, okay. Are you reacting because it's actually like that's super weird or are you being judgmental because you are scared because you don't understand it? (laughs) And then let's work our way back. It really is. I mean, you're just doing therapy on yourself, essentially. Yeah. I don't think that everyone has to like have the same level of like comfortable anything with sex. But I think that getting more in tune with your body in general and feeling like you can communicate is something that Mm -hmm. only helps. Yeah. And I think with the young girl. Not like super young, but a girl, a young adult who feels uncomfortable about these things and Mm -hmm. like doesn't even know where to start about because the problem is a lot of women, I feel, still aren't familiar with their own Mm -hmm. bodies. And so I'm wondering if you have any advice for how someone can feel a little more comfortable or take a little baby step moving forward. Um, not like rip off all the. <laughs> I know. Right? I mean, listen. I read a lot of NC Seventeen fan fiction as a child, <laughs> and and figured out masturbation pretty early on. Um, I think that for me, talking to friends about things that I just didn't understand or I was confused about, mm-hmm. and if you can hopefully find someone that's not gonna like. I mean, some people have friends that would just like full on laugh at them. Don't have those friends. Don't do that. Yeah. Have friends that actually are equally curious. The internet is a great place, by it the is. way. To, I mean, again, find trash, but <laughs> there are so many people that are doing the work that um, there are podcasts. I have a friend um, has a podcast called Horizontal with Lila, and she literally lays down in bed with people and from like their childhood on talks about like, your, what's your first memory of sexuality? How do you define yourself? Wow. Like, what are these experiences? And it's everything from relationships to sex to everything else. And I think that the more you hear other, it's just like seeing adults do things and you copy it. When you see other people communicating in a certain way and you see how open they are, it makes you feel a little less alone and a little bit more capable when you go out in the world. Mm -hmm. So I would say, you know, beyond the fact of just figuring out what you like and seeing how you react to certain things and not even involving a partner or anyone else, just like focusing on you, I would say use the internet to find people that are really diving into like sexuality as a whole so Mm -hmm. that when you get to a place where you are with someone else, that you have this whole back catalog of information. I mean, yeah. Knowledge is power. It and you really don't is. necessarily need to be like a swinger sadomasochist. <laughs> you don't. Person. You don't. But but learning about why people might be into something like yeah. that, when you're going to meet someone who 
suggest something that you're like, I've never heard of that. And instead of you immediately shutting it down and, and making them feel ashamed mm-hmm. about it, you're going to be an open partner that's communicative and it's only going to serve you. I mean, it's not just in your sex life. It's going to serve you in every kind of way if you can take out more of the shame and just replace that with communication and education. Yeah. So I'm still learning. I have no idea what I'm doing with it, but I'd like to unbox sex toys and get paid for it. And so yeah. that's what well, I do. Why complain about sex toys are expensive. They are so expensive. <laughs> really expensive. So I'm just out here trying to give affiliate codes <laughs> and just have a good time. And I think we have to laugh at sex too. I mean, yeah. sex is like, it's one of these things where there's so many reasons people have it and so many things attached to it, but it's really funny. It's it like a human being, just like from an outside perspective, watching humans, it's like, what are we doing? And it's awkward. I Sometimes I'll see people kissing. I'm like, that is such a weird thing people <laughs> do. Like, what? I don't know. Maybe I just, that's like a high thought. I think, I love it. I love it. But I think, I think that what I'm real, you, first of all, you don't have to know it all. Yeah. Ever. You're going to continue to learn. You're going to continue to be pushed. You're going to continue to find things that you like that you don't like as you get older. Again, all areas of life. Um, And I think that you just have to go into it knowing that you're not going to know. Yeah. And embrace it. It it can be super awkward. It's funny. It's weird. But um, I think that we just have to kind of embrace that and and make it a part. It can be silly. Not everything has to be so serious. I know. It can be fun. Yeah, I've had more awkward, funny experiences than like Fifty Shades of Grey. Like, right? Moments. I mean, I'll take some Fifty Shades of Grey yeah. experiences, whatever. But, <laughs> like, if a rich man wants to, like, I don't know, just buy me clothes and I'm in, I'm and fine. Fog me a little, like, whatever. Whatever. <laughs> you know what? Life is already doing it. So I might as well. Um, but I think you're, you, the thing you have to realize is that when it comes to your life, your relationships, your friendships, you get to, again, curate and make them whatever you want. So, Whatever you've seen your parents do, whatever you've seen your friends do, that's one way of doing it. Mm-hmm. It's not the way of doing it. Mm-hmm. And so I think once you give yourself permission to just try things out and, you know, even when we're, co- we're coming on like polyamory and thruples and all these yeah. things and people are like, oh, my God, it's so. But really, people are, are trying things out and seeing what works. And it's not a traditional standard thing. So people don't know how to react. Yeah. I think that's cool. Yeah. I'm all for people figuring out how to love better and more and get deeper into who they nice. are. Right. Um, well, I want to thank you so much for coming on to this show. Anytime. With a live studio audience of one. <laughs> and, um, where can people find you? Ooh, you can find me at Megan Tonjes on most things. Um, highly recommend you follow the Instagram and the Twitter. It's where I'm at my, at my best for sure. Uh, <laughs> but YouTube.com slash Tonjes. Oh, cool. You, yeah. got the, you changed that vanity. Ooh, you yeah, I did. Ooh. And, uh, oh, and I have two podcasts that uh, are currently doing. Uh, one's called Adventures in Roomating. It's me and my roommate, uh, me high, being hilarious all the time, <laughs> talking about absolutely nothing and everything. And then I have another one called No Lies Detected with my friend Michelle Moore. And we give advice and talk about the truths that you need to know and the lies that you tell yourself. Perfect. Well, thank you so much again. Um, please go follow her. This was very educational and interesting um and i guess that we'll talk to you guys next time bye